start a series on Easter Sunday so you didn't miss out on anything. You didn't feel lost when you showed up. So that way you got a reason to come back next week and hear the rest of the series that we're jumping into this morning. The series we're going into today is called Abide. It's going to be based out of John chapter number 15. It's going to be the I am the vine, you are the branches. And we just got done with an amazing series called Home. And we know that home is where the presence of the Father is. Home is where the presence of the Father is, and we want to make an environment so much like heaven here on this earth that the Father has a place to call home, but you have a place to call home as well. Home is this. It's where you can walk in, and instead of having to act like something's good and act like everything's okay and act like everything's fine, you can actually come in and say, you know, I really don't feel good today. You know, I really haven't had the best week. You know, I really am struggling in my marriage. It's a safe place for you to let your guard down and let the power of God touch your life. It's a place that we call home, and we want you to call it home as well. We don't even refer to it as church anymore. We refer to it as this is our home. This is the place where we come in as the body of Christ and reside together in this place. And when you walk in the door, we want you to know this, that you're not a project to be fixed. You're not a project to be fixed. You're a person that we are going to love unconditionally no matter where you're at, no matter what state in life you're in, no matter if you just came out of the worst divorce ever or you just won the lottery, we're going to love you the same because you're a person to be loved, not a project to be fixed. And so when you walk in the doors at TWBC, we want you to know that we look at you with no stereotypes. We're not judging you. We're not prejudging you. We're not saying, oh, they need to go to the marriage class or they need to go to the finance class or they need to go to a discipleship group because they need an overhaul. You're not a project to be fixed. You're a person that we love just the way you are. And get this, if you never change any time from this day forward, the rest of your life, we're going to love you just the same. You know what? I believe Jesus loved me at my worst. And who am I to say, you must change before I can love you? (laughs) No, I'm going to love you at the very point that you're at in life. And I'm going to walk with you through life. And so thank you so much for, for being here at TWBC. And, and when you found John chapter 15, uh, we're going to start off in verse number 4. John chapter 15, verse number 4. And this is Jesus talking here. And Jesus is giving this discourse right before he's about to go to, to into Passion Week, the week that we just are finishing. And it says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that, it is he that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I want to focus on that just for a second. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and I love this verse, and my words abide in you, get this, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Father, I pray that we would in, uh, incorporate this verse into every area of our life. Lord God, that this verse would become part of our DNA, that we would know that we must abide in you if we're going to bear any fruit at all. Father, I pray that we would change our focus on the connection point, that the main connection doesn't need to be between us and our fruit. It needs to be between us and you, the tree, the branch, the vine that we're plugged into. Father, I pray that we would focus on that connection point even this morning, in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, 
Amen. I want to remind you of the verse that we read in the last series. It's Luke 15, 31. And it goes along with what Jesus said in verse number 7 of John 15. And Jesus said in John 15, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Luke 15, 31 said this, And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. So Jesus is reiterating it in John 15, what he told in a parable in Luke chapter 15. And what does the word abide mean? If we're going to do a series called abide, what do we mean when we say the term abide? What is the purpose of abide? It is for us to get well acquainted with the culture of heaven. So much so that it begins to infiltrate this earth. What is the purpose of abide? It's for us as the home, the church, the body of Christ to get so acquainted with the culture of heaven that it begins to manifest through us here in this earth. Now, some of y'all are thinking, I've never heard of a concept like that before. I'm going to say, sure you have. Anytime you've ever said the Lord's Prayer, you've heard that concept before. And so the purpose of Abide is this. We want to create a heaven culture here on this earth. And it's not just a thought. It's not just a theology. In fact, we're going to learn today that us creating a heaven culture here on this earth is a mandate from Jesus Christ so that when he comes, he has a place to reside in us. So it's not just a theology statement. It's not just a pie-in-the-sky thought. It is simply this. It's a mandate from Jesus that we must create a heaven culture here on this earth in your Bibles, there's a, a common prayer, and it's known as the Lord's Prayer. Better known, it should be called as the Disciples' Prayer. Even farther deeper, it should be known as an apostolic prayer, and we'll get into that in just a second. But I want to read to you this verse, and I put some emphasis in there, because in America, we really don't understand kingdom, but we do understand the word culture. The culture in today's society is crazy. Can I get an amen? It is anything but heavenly. Can I get an amen? Even in the church house, it's not a heavenly culture sometimes. Can I get an Amen. Y'all weren't so excited about that one. It's okay to admit it. Because until we admit it, we can't change it. And so we must begin to see a heaven culture here in this earth. And I want to read this word to you. Um, it's John, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. And I added the word culture in there behind kingdom every time. And it says, your kingdom, Jesus is praying here, your kingdom or culture come, talking about heaven, your will or culture be done on this earth, in our culture, as it is in heaven, your culture. I want to read that again because we got to get this if we're going to get this whole series. If we're embracing a kingdom culture, a heavenly culture here in this earth, we must begin to understand what Jesus did when he gave this mandate. He said, your kingdom come, talking to the Father. He's teaching his disciples how to pray. So when teaching his disciples how to pray, he said, this is how you should pray. He said, Father, let your culture come. Let your culture be done here on this earth in our culture as it already is done in your culture in heaven. That's what he's saying. He's saying, God, I need the culture of heaven where I resided with you before I came to this earth. I need that culture to infiltrate this earth. That's what the whole home series was about. We're the pathway to the Father to get into this presence here. And so we must begin to understand that God wants and desires and needs his culture to come and, and abide here with us. Listen, the culture of heaven has to be more than a moment. It's got to be a movement that we abide in. See, a lot of times we'll have great Easter services. We'll leave here shouting happy, great I am, the tomb's empty, praise God, hallelujah. But it's for a moment, and it never started a movement. 
We must begin to not have a moment anymore. We must begin to get a moment that creates a movement that we abide in so it's sustaining for long periods of time. Can I get an amen? Because so many times we have a revival where we have a moment, but it never correlates into a movement. And if it does correlate into a movement, it's a short-lived movement, movement because we've never learned how to, to abide in the moment to start a movement that's sustainable. Here's why. Because we've never fully embraced the culture of heaven. We always look at heaven from our side going that way, we think that Jesus came and died on the cross so we could go to heaven one day. No, he didn't come and die on the cross so we could go to heaven one day. He came and died on the cross and was raised again from the dead so God could come to us today. See, we always say the veil was torn so we could get to the Father. No, the veil was torn so the Father could get to us. The veil was torn so kingdom culture could come to this earth. And Jesus blew the doors off it because he was a New Testament man operating in old covenant religion. And he let the kingdom of heaven come to this earth and everything he touched was transformed. We must begin to embrace a moment that will lead to a movement that we abide in so we can get so used to the heaven culture here on this earth that it's weird when it's not happening. Miracles should be the normal, not the abnormal. Miracles should happen every single day of our life. It's not a far-fetched thought. It's not a vague reality, and it's not a false hope. It's the reality of a kingdom culture that God is trying to get us to adapt ourselves to here in this earth. In the, heaven, in the, in the kingdom of heaven, if the kingdom of heaven does not influence how we conduct our lives within the church, we can never expect God to empower us to influence the cultures of the world. I'm going to say that again. If the kingdom of heaven does not influence how we conduct our lives within the church, we can never expect God to empower us to go change the cultures of the world. If God can't change church culture, how is he going to change world culture? Because he works through the church. We must begin to understand this concept of kingdom culture and abide in it. So we abide in it long enough that God says, now that I've changed the culture of the church, the church can be the hope of the world once again. And now that the church is the hope of the world once again, I can go change cultures around the world. See, we must begin to understand this. And this is what God has called us to do. And I just need somebody to believe with me that the kingdom of heaven can do something here in this earth. Jesus gave it as a mandate, not an option. But here's what we got to understand. we got to understand this part right here. We can only give away what we have received. We can only give away what we have received. We talked about this in the last series. We said that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And the biggest struggle we had is we can love our neighbor unconditionally, but I can't look in the mirror and love Joel T. Meyer the way God loves me. I haven't arrived there yet. Because when I look in the mirror, I still see my sin. I still see my faults. I still see my shortcomings. I still see what's not possible in me. I still see my failures. I still see my ignorance. I still see all these things. So I don't love myself the way the Father loves me. I don't love myself that way yet. But I cannot give what I have not received. So if I'm going to give the love of the Father, I must first receive the love of the Father. I must receive it into my life. And here's the thing. We do not understand this love. 
We can talk about it, we can preach about it, we can celebrate it on Easter, but we still cannot comprehend the God of all creation sending his only son to this earth to be beaten, to be whipped, to be betrayed by man, to be thrown in the gutters, to be spit on, to be hung on a rugged cross, to be stabbed with a spear for the birthing of a new day. I still can't comprehend that great love. I haven't fully arrived at it yet. Oh, but I'm running after it with all I got. I'm running after it with all I got. See, this great love is so incomprehensible at the moment to many of us. We put it in a category box, and it just sits back there as, as a great wow thing, but we never really have indulged to the fullness of it. We've never really indulged in the fullness of the great love that the Father has for us. And if we do not understand this love, we're never going to be able to give what the Father wants us to give. Because you cannot give away what you have not received. I can't give you $100 unless I've received $100 from somewhere. But if I've received it, then I can give it. So we cannot give away what we have not received. And we don't understand this love because, listen, what we understand, we value. What we value, we steward. What we steward, we multiply. What we multiply, we have authority over. That, that's a whole nother sermon. I'm going into the series, okay? That, that is the basis of a whole sermon farther on down the line. So don't get caught up in that. I'm going to say it again, but, but, that, but this is so powerful. Jesus came to a man and he said, I give you five cities. He brought it back with ten more. And he said, I put you as ruler or authority over much. See, God wasn't into changing just little parts of, of the earth. He was into changing cities. He gave people cities to change. Now listen, what we understand, we value. And if you find yourself not valuing the things of, the, of our faith, of Christianity, of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, if we, if we find ourselves not valuing it, then we don't understand it to the fullest. So what we understand, we value. What we value, we then steward. You know how many of you had to buy your first car? Give me an amen. Some of y'all need to make somebody buy their first car. Can I get an amen? What you value, you steward. I remember the first car that I bought. I kept that thing washed. I kept that thing clean. I stewarded it very, very well. And it wasn't a very, very nice car. But hey, I stewarded it because I valued it because I understood the value of it and what it cost to, for me to get it. And so what we understand, we value. What we value, we steward. What we steward, we then multiply. What you steward, well, you multiply. What you multiply, you have authority over. There's a biblical precedence for it, and I'll get to it. I, I had to bring that point up because I wanted to show you how important it is to understand the great love of the Father and the love that the Father has for us. This will only come over time as we abide in the kingdom culture that the Father has for us. It's going to come because we stay plugged into the true vine and we are the branch that produces fruit. Many times when we read it, we get our focus on the fruit and not the connection between the branch and the vine. But if we don't make this connection between the branch and the vine, sure, sound, and secure, the fruit's never going to happen. And some of us value the fruit more than the connection. That's why we're running around trying to do all these good religious deeds. And we're burning ourselves out and we're burning the candle out both in because fruit is naturally produced. I've never seen an apple tree say, make an apple, make an apple. Come on, you can do it, make an apple. <laughs> Correct? It just, in season, boop, there's an apple. 
In season, whoop, there's love. In season, whoop, there's joy. That's the fruit of the Spirit. In season, whoop, I got peace, even though there's a hurricane. In season, there's kindness, whoop, it just happens. Because the connection is secure. Now, patience, I'm not just saying just happens. I'm going to have to study on that one a little bit more. But you understand the concept that I'm getting at. And as we produce fruit, as we produce fruit, we become evidence of his presence. Abiding gives us a new sense of expectation and purpose and lets our lives be the evidence of his presence here on earth. Abiding in him gives us a new sense of expectation. Gives us a new sense of expectation, and it is our place to see it. I want to bring that verse back that I mentioned a second ago, Matthew 6.10. It says, your kingdom or culture come, your will or culture be done on earth in our culture as it is in heaven, your culture. Now, I want to talk to you about the phrasing of the kingdom culture just for a second. Because when Jesus was saying this, he was using terms that his disciples could understand. A lot of us chalk Jesus up as, wow, he spoke something so over our head. No, he spoke very practical to the people of his time. And the, 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 the reason why he uses kingdom here is because uh, the, the nation of Jerusalem or, or Israel was under the kingdom authority of Rome. And so he used the term kingdom because his disciples understood it. See, Jesus just wasn't a Jewish scholar. He was also very intelligent of the things going on in the world. Jesus wasn't an idiot, right? He knew more than just the Bible. He understood the Roman culture as well. And so when he said this, he gave this verse. He said, your kingdom come, your culture come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. He was making this now an apostolic phrase. Now, don't let me lose you at the term apostolic. I'm about to land this plane here in just a second. When he used that term, the prayer then changed from teaching to apostolic. And what does that mean? When he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it changed the whole format to an apostolic phrase, and the apostles, apostolic, knew what apostolic meant. See, apostolic or apostle was a term that the Romans took from the Greeks. When the Greeks would go conquer a land, or Rome would go conquer a land, they would send out a fleet of ships. The very first ship in the fleet of ships was called the apostolic ship. It was the apostolic ship. And the job of the people on that ship when they landed on a new land was to recreate the culture that they came from in Rome. So much to the fact that they were supposed to recreate Rome in the new land that if the emperor of Rome ever came to this new place, he would feel just as much at home in this new place as he did in the Roman Colosseum himself. See, see, we missed it. When we pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. You have now said I'm going to be an apostolic ship that is going to land somewhere in Sulphur Springs. That is going to recreate the environment of heaven so much that when Jesus' presence comes and visits me, he feels just at home with me here as he does in heaven with the Father. Come on now. This is what Jesus died for. He didn't die so you could get to heaven one day. He died so you could create a kingdom heaven, a kingdom of heaven culture here so he could come abide with you here until he comes back and gets us here and brings us all home to be there. Now in this kingdom culture, in this kingdom culture, God sets captives free. He delivers those who are sick. Worship team, come on up. He delivers those who are sick. He sets free those who are oppressed. 
he begins to declare that it's a new day in your life. Some of you came to Easter Sunday morning worship service just because it's Easter Sunday morning worship service. You didn't realize you were walking into a heavenly culture. You didn't realize you were walking into a kingdom culture. You didn't realize that the kingdom of heaven is about to manifest right before your very eyes. And God's going to set those who are captives free. He's going to deliver those who are oppressed and depressed and unimpressed. And he's going to change your life because heaven is not some far-fetched thought or theology. Heaven is a reality that Jesus said we are to call it here with us. And I'm telling you, we've had 24 hours of prayer and fasting for heavenly culture to come this morning. We've had people praying and interceding for the last week for heavenly culture to show up this morning. We've had people ready to pray with you and minister to you. So when you walked in bound, you leave free. When you came in sick, you leave healed. Every person Jesus touched, their life was transformed. Their life was transformed. And it was transformed in such a amazing way and you know the only question Jesus asks is this when the son of man comes will he find faith in the earth faith is the key for the kingdom culture to come and listen faith is simple it's simply looking at Jesus and what he did on the cross and saying I believe it's for me it's for me to be more than born again. It's for me to be saved, healed, delivered, and set free. Set free. And you know, I'm not worried about changing the culture of Sulphur Springs. Because when I change the culture of this church through the Spirit of God, when we change the culture of this church through the Spirit of God, when we, all of us, begin to change the culture of TWBC, of home, because the Spirit of God is here, there's nothing stopping us from changing Sulphur Springs. Your neighbor that's been sick and in a wheelchair for the past 10 years and can't find a way to church, you can go pray for them, and they'll walk to church next week. I'm serious about this stuff. I'm serious about this. It's time to change cultures. And Jesus said this, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth?